Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An elegant weapon for the more civilized age. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 211. My name is J.J.M. Clark, J. the Jedi Ross. Welcome back, kids. Hope you enjoyed part one of my epic conversation with Mr. Aaron Broverman as we continue on the road to Fan Expo 2016. Oh, it's... It's very, very close now. It's so soon I can feel it. I'm starting to get sweaty palm excited about meeting all of these epic people and seeing all of our epic friends and just having an epic adventure as we always do. Our annual fan expo uh, extravaganza. It's coming. But for now, uh, kids, let's dive right back in. Uh, Aaron is talking about uh, being in Toronto and, uh, you know, uh, having to get settled and find his way around the city. Uh, exploring, uh, doing what he can to set himself up, make himself feel comfortable. And uh, this is the point where the Toronto comics start to uh, blossom within his life. So uh, here we go. Continue our conversation. Mr. Aaron Broverman, part two. A booyah. Plus, plus, and this is very important, before I left, um, before I left uh, for Ryerson, I'm like, okay, so like the most important thing I have to do, I got my books, I got everything I need, but the most important thing, I got to find out where the comic shop is. Nice. Right? Nice, right. So right. I'm like, I'm like, yo, Neil's from Toronto. Neil is the guy that introduced me to all the all the comics. He's the math tutor. Right, the math tutor. That I talked okay, about in yes, the first one. Yes. Who introduced me to all the comics. Yeah. He's from Toronto. So I'm like, I'm like, Neil, uh, where's where's the comic shop that I should go to in Toronto? And he's like, yo, dude, I got the perfect comic shop for you. Uh-oh. It's across the street from Ryerson. It's right like right where you're gonna be living, because you're living in re- you're living in residence. Right. And I used to be roommates with the owner of this place. Perfect. And I'm like, cool, who is this guy? And he's like, his name is Leon Emmett. And his shop is called the Harry Tarantula. And it's right downtown. Oh my god! Right the the hairy tarantula. Right, at, right across the street from Ryerson. <laughs> oh wow! He, he, we used to be roommates in, okay. when I was living in Toronto. Yeah. So I'm like, oh cool! Like I already have a connection. I remember? He's yeah. like, he's like, I'll phone him. I'll let you know. Is that the, shop still open? It's shops. Shops still there. Okay, I totally remember that shop. Yeah. Yeah. I think he lives there too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. So so he's it's still there, which is crazy because uh, Silver Snail is across the street. You'd think that like yes, you know he'd be a lot of his business would be siphoning yeah, you'd think, off yeah. to Silver Snail. But I don't know. I, I should get him in for a podcast and see Absolutely. see what's going on. Yeah, but like okay, so so I'm like uh, he's like I'll tell Leon that you're coming, and you'll have you'll have your shop all ready for you when you come. You'll have a guy that's who great. You know, and yeah. it, it'll be across like literally. It's across the street from Ryerson Campus yeah. where I was living. Nice. So, like, immediately the first thing I knew about Toronto was, like, where the com- where the comic shop Perfect. was. Perfect. Yeah. So I go up. You're and, off to a good start. And, and Harry Tranchel is, like, a walk-up. So I'm like, oh, whatever. Yeah. I'll just park my scooter outside, you know, and, and walk up. Because, like, what else am I going to do? And I walk up, and he's like, yo, you're Neil's friend. And, and it's totally not what I was expecting. Because Leon is, like, this, like, long-haired, trench coat-wearing, 
sort of conspiracy theorist guy. It's about like the black market or something, he, wasn't it? No, he he likes he talks about like the Illuminati. He talks right, to, right. He but talks, the shop itself is a. I think it's above the black like the yeah. old snail. We're talking right, the old location. No, no, no. This isn't the snail. This is this is this is Harry Tranchla. Right. It wasn't near the snail. No. Because, okay. Sorry. Because at I the time, it, at right. the time. At the t- now it is. Now it's across the gym and the snail. Okay. But at the time, the snail was still on Queen Street in that place with yes, the mural. Yes, because there was a shop across the street from the snail on Queen Street that yeah. was upstairs. And I can't okay. remember what it was called. Maybe it was like so Black Market Books. Yeah, you're getting yeah. confused. Okay. But now like now the snail is across the street from Harry Tarantula. At the okay. time, Harry Tarantula was the only – like the really the only comic shop there. Sure. In that, er- in that area near Young and Dundas and stuff. In the main core. In the main yeah, core yeah. there, right? So so I go up there and I'm like it's like musty and it's packed with like games <laughs> and it's got like this wild conspiracy theorist owner yeah. who like has these like cats running around <laughs> and and he's he's like rolling his own cigarettes with and it's with like you know with the tobacco and the yeah. and, I'm and like, he's smoking it in the shop yeah and I'm like I'm like what's going <laughs> like this was like the stereotypical comic shop I used to go to a comic shop sometimes called the ABC Comic Book Emporium in in Vancouver. Okay. And it was like that with like the weird like Persian rugs <laughs> and the guy that would like spray like the aerosol air freshener yeah. every so often because it would get a little too like man smell. Too musty, yeah. musty and whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, what? I'm like, what is this? Whatever. But but he was like a really cool guy. And like Leon even with his like conspiracy theories and things that he that he believes that are maybe true, maybe sure, not, whatever. Sure, yeah. Um you know that's that's cool i I like him like he's he's a great guy so i'm like and he was sort of my only friend for for a while right right. at least like the first friend that i made kind of that's cool yeah so yeah so harry tarantula was like my shop for a long time even though like they didn't really sell a lot of comics like they had like you know maybe like two or three racks like like the sidekick okay. here but it was mostly like games okay and like magic like he got really obsessed with magic the gallery kind of like geeky store in general yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. geek culture yeah, in yeah, general yeah. okay yeah so so like like they were more about like games and, and that so kind they of were back then what most shops have become now <laughs> where no. they've got a little bit of everything well yeah like they the comics seem to be like like because neil explained it to me like this leon goes through like phases like at first, when he when he opened the shop, it was all about comics. You, you saw comics all over the place. Then I guess business changed, and he got really like personally obsessed with magic, like playing magic. Okay. Whatever. So then it became more about like magic and Magic the Gathering, and he became more right. like the hobby, okay, hobby store kind of thing. For sure, yeah. So that's kind of what happened, where like the comics were like gotcha. less of a priority, at least in store. Right. But if you set up a pull list like I did, mm-hmm. he he would order you whatever you wanted. Perfect. You know? Nice. Nice. Yeah. Eventually, I moved away, you know, and I, I moved yeah. where I live now, and, and like, the Harry Tarantula was too far to commute to, and I got in a little trouble on my pull list where I wouldn't, ne- like, I wouldn't pick it up for a long time because I wouldn't right. be in the area, and I'd owe, like, you know, a lot of money in comics. Cause Dude, I pick up my pull list once a month. Because I'd, on- <laughs> I'd only go, like, every six months, and yeah. they'd have to give me, like, a long box full of all my comics. It was, uh, it was like a big couple thing. hundred bucks, yeah. You know, yeah, you know whatever. Yeah. So, so yeah, eventually I, I had to not go to that shop as much, and, and I don't see see Leon as much. Oh, that's too bad. Um, but I want to, like, I want to get him in front of podcast. But anyway, that's yeah. how uh, I started the comic thing. And then in my, in my, in my exuberance, I, um, the first week that I went to Ryerson, like August 24th, um, 
Vancouver, okay, let me tell you. Vancouver doesn't really have much of a comic book scene. Right. At the time. I mean, now it sort of does with, like, Fan Expo Vancouver and stuff. But what they had were, like, monthly conventions at a church. It was, like, Heritage Hall. Oh, that's fun. And they were basically, like, you know, Gatherings. Pure, pure comics. Like, pure swap right. meets. Just like where, a trade show. Where you're like, basically, like, going through the right. bins and stuff. Like the Toronto Comic you Show know, kind ne- of thing. Neil took me to one of them, and he's like, yo, like, you, you go through the 25-cent bins, and we found, like, issues of, like, V for Vendetta, like, the whole run of V for Vendetta. Oh, sorry. Not to cut you off, but just when you mentioned Bone earlier, uh, a friend of mine and I were at Fan Expo, I think it was last year, yeah. and he's going through dollar bins, and he finds the first 10-issue run of Bone, the originals, wow. and he got them all for like 20 bucks. And that's, those are like those valuable. those are worth some coin yeah, totally now, man. Like, I couldn't believe it. We're standing there, and he literally, he's like, dude, and he like points at them, and I'm like, snatch them, snatch them, yeah. snatch them. Like, so yeah. like when I was there, Neil's telling me, Yo, no, you got to pick up this, because this is like Alan Moore, this is your vendetta, like you got to get them right, all. And he's right. like passing me stuff that I should read. <laughs> Just putting it on a but pile. Like, on but like, it was like these monthly conventions, Heritage Hall, like the the biggest guest that was there would be these independent guys. Sure. Like, like uh, Reed Fleming's right. uh, Milkman mm-hmm. or like Too Much Coffee Man. Like local guy, local sure. people would be like the biggest guy. They'd have like one or two local vancouver people and that right. would be that would be like what a convention is considered so when i came to toronto i, I was big into uh neil gaiman's blog leading up to coming to toronto so i would read neil gaiman's blog like every day he was right. my favorite author and um he he was coming to toronto like it was like a it was like a like a secret like a show that he just announced and it happened to be like the first or second day that i was in the city that, that Neil Gaiman was coming. Oh wow! And I'm like, oh my god! And it was it was it was an appearance at the old chapters on Richmond and John. Okay. That is now the Michael's Craft Store, but right. the one that used to be right next to the Scotiabank Theater. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I gotta go. Like, this is my favorite author. You never get a chance to meet him in Vancouver. Like, big name people never came. Yeah. To Vancouver when I was when I was a when I was a kid. Of course. I yeah. mean, if anyone came anywhere in Canada, they came to they came to Toronto. Yeah, we're the spot. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So so I'm like, oh my god! Like, I get a chance to meet Neil Gaiman, and on my way to meet Neil Gaiman, I see this dude selling comics on the street. And he's like this really magnanimous dude. They're like brightly colored. He's wearing like a like a shirt, like a red shirt and a tie and some pants. And he's like, yo, yo, man, you got to pick up my comic. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the show. You got to pick it up. And you know who it is? Yeah. It's Sean Ward. Shut up. Sean really? Ward is on the street selling pastors. Isn't he bus. a Toronto kid, though? He's, uh, he's Toronto. So, so like, I'm going to meet Neil Gaiman at, Rich, at Richmond and John at the chapters. Right. First or second day. Oh, wait, I, yeah, this happens in Toronto. This of happens Sorry, yes, yes. Right, so, yes. so I'm, I, I'm in Toronto. Like, second day that I'm in Toronto, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to meet Neil Gaiman. On the way to meet Neil Gaiman at, at chapters of Richmond and John, I see... Sean. He's yeah. got like a little... Just so we should give some context to the listeners. Okay. Uh, Sean Ward is a local comedian here in Toronto. He's sort of and, comedian. Well, he's, he's like a YouTube guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So just so you know, he's like a... He's known now in Toronto. So at the time, you see him slinging books on the side of the yeah, road. Yeah. Like, actually, I have a, I have a pretty big interview with him on, on Speech Bubble. So yep. if you want to get to know more about Sean Ward, go to my podcast, Speech Bubble, on iTunes, whatever. Yep. You can listen to that episode. Um, but Sean, at the time... How he was paying his rent was he was selling his comics that he Aww. made. The the Sean Ward's Electric Comics Freakout. 
awesome. starring That's him. That's great. Starring him. And how he would make rent every month was he'd basically get people to like buy his comics. He right. figured out how many comics he needed to sell to make his rent. Yeah. And he would hustle. Like all on that's the street, awesome, whatever. man. So that's how I met Sean. His first big thing was like selling his homemade comics on the street on sidewalks. <laughs> well, you're going to meet people, Neil Gaiman as, as people were walking by, <laughs> and I'm like, "Whoa, who is this guy? Like, what, what, what's his thing?" And I, I, I'm there for journalism school, right? And I'm like, "This guy's gonna make like an amazing profile for like a school assignment or something." So I get all his info, and I'm like, "Dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna profile you later. We're gonna meet nice. up, whatever." <laughs> I end up, I end up actually doing that because i think it's so crazy that this dude is selling comics on the street and that's how he makes his yeah, his rent yeah. every month and stuff i'm gonna so, criminal minds you yeah, bitch yeah so <laughs> so since then sean and i have been friends he's like the first guy that i besides leon that i ever met in like in wow in Toronto. really well that that's I, that, crazy that I, that I became that i became friends with but like sure this is like frosh week so this is even before you meet everybody that's going to be in your in right. your journalism class or even in your dorm anybody who's anybody exactly yeah, yeah. exactly so so he is literally like the second guy that i meet besides the comic shop dude and the only reason i know leon is because neil who's already in bc hooked me up with him and right. that's like our own that's like our only connect, your own connection that's yeah. our only connection yeah. kind of thing did you meet game in that day so i met game okay <laughs> And it was crazy because I had a shaved head because I had just been at a frosh event where it was like a scavenger hunt. <laughs> and if you shaved your head, you, yeah. you, uh, so I, I volunteered for that. I had a crazy shaved head. Yeah. I look like a total cancer patient because I come up in my scooter and I have a, sh- I have a shaved head. Right. They put me in the front of the line. It was thrilling. Like I still have pictures from that day, the first time that I met Neil Gaiman. Do they call frosh frosh in the States? I don't know what they call it in the States, but... They, um, for anybody who doesn't know, because there are people in the States that are going to be listening okay. to this, Frosh Week is like your pre-week before university starts where they just put you through hell and yeah, kind of rituals. Games yeah, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's fun times to get all the new kids set. Right. So, yeah. Right. So, I meet Neil Gaiman. Thrilling. Crazy. That must have been so cool, Biggest man. Biggest name ever. Yeah. And since then, I've met him like a bunch of times. Like, oh, really? I, I've, I've gone to events he's been in. You know. All I want to do is tell him how much I loved uh, the bride of the, or the doctor's wife. His his Doctor Who episode right, right. about the tart. Oh, I yeah. think we talked about it before. Yeah, yeah. And, so in love with that. And, yeah. Well, there was a time that I pissed him off too. Really? You know the story about how I pissed I off? I do know. Who? Please tell us Brief, how you pissed briefly, off Neil Gaiman. So, so I, so Brian Avenue and I are working on a comic. Uh, for, like submission for uh, another comic creator called uh, Matthew Muhammad, who who does the he's called the black the black bastard comic. Okay, it's like a it's like a black exploitation kind of. Par- this guy's always dressed parody. up at fan yeah, expo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's dressed guy. as his character. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah, right. So we're doing a thing for his like second anthology, and as a thank you to Brian Avenue, who's a creator, local creator. Um, I, I am like, yo, you want to, you want to go to like this Neil Gaiman appearance at like the St. Lawrence Arts Center, you know, as a thank you, like, I'll take you to this, you know, I want to go, I'd like to hang out with somebody, let's go to this. So we go to it and at the end there's like a Q and A and I get to ask a question because I'm like, cause, okay, so (laughs) my question is, and my question is. What's what's the fate of Miracle Man? Like it's never been finished. We we you know we know that there's like a weird ownership thing. Right. Are you ever gonna finish it? Like what are what's the status of this Miracle Man comic at the time? Sure. And I asked that. Like the lady gives me the mic and I ask the question. Okay. And he starts explaining like the whole like backstory and trying to like inform the audience. Right. Impatient me who knows everything about Neil Gaiman because I'm such a big fan. Yeah. Is like. 
I literally interrupt him and go, yeah, 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 yeah. I already know this. I, my question, oh. my, my question is, <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> my question is, my question is like, what is that? Like, tell me what actually yeah, is yeah, actually yeah. happening. I don't care what these people know. Yeah. Like, like, and, he, and he's like, and he's like, he's like, I'm getting, like, I'm getting to it. I'm, right. I'm getting, like, he, he gets, he, I, excuse me, I'm getting, like, yeah. all, I'm getting to Shut it. Shut up, kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, 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 and I, like, you, you could, and, and you could tell he was pissed because, like, right. the tone changes to, like, what the fuck? And the lady yanks the mic out of my hand so that, <laughs> so that I can't, so that you I can't answer back. Again? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, <laughs> so, so, Brian is laughing, and that's how, and I'm like, oh my god, I think I just pissed off Neil Gaiman. But then I meet him after, and I'm like, yo, like, sorry, I was just a little over anxious with that. Like, I, right. I you know, I well, only it's have, nice you got a chance to I, apologize. I only have like a limited amount of time, right. and, and I didn't want the whole question to be taken up by like the backstory. And he's like, no, 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 it's okay. Like, don't don't worry about it. It's fine. Right. Like, you know, I, I understand kind of thing. That's good. So we, we made up. All right. I, that's I, wonderful. Me and Neil Gaiman are on good <laughs> You're terms. good? You're tight? You know, we're, we're <laughs> he, yeah. All right. So here we are. We're at that point. You're, you've made your first friends. You realize Gaiman's here. Yeah. Things are getting settled. So, 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 okay. So, yeah. So then, so then uh, through Sean. And, right. And through, like, I, I start going to, like, Sean used to have, like, these launch events for his comics. Okay. He used to have, they were, like, at the CineCycle, which is, like, this bike shop film uh, it, it's in an alley. <laughs> it's in an alley. <laughs> it's this little shack in an alley on like Spadina. I don't even know if it's there anymore, but it's like a bike shop slash movie theater where they show like. What? <laughs> Only in Toronto are you gonna find movies and bikes in the same store. It, it's, called, it's called the Cinecycle. Okay, and it's like this bike shop by day. But an event space and place where they <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and place place where they show movies okay. and stuff by night. Yeah. And and in order to make like his comics like super buzzworthy, he'd have like a launch event for okay. every yeah. issue at the Cinecycle. Which everybody does now. You know, yeah. so I would go to the Cinecycle and he would perform, like he he'd we, he would do like these raps, you know, that <laughs> nice. he would do like yeah. to to actual like old school he would do like you know like old school beats that everyone recognizes but he would do like his own lyrics to them kind right of thing, and like freestyle over yeah. them and stuff and like through that i met all these people in the comic book scene because they would be at the launch that's where it started and really like roll and, and, and i met like i met uh he introduced me to like at one of them he introduced me to um uh leanna k and uh steven kersner who is ed the sock yes and leanna yes. his wife from, okay. from ed and leanna's night party uh, for the listeners at the sock. Oh, she was his wife? Okay. She is his wife. Oh, in in I real mean, life. Like, yeah, but she was on the show. She right? was on the show. She was the co host. I never realized that yeah, they, they were, were married. They, they were okay. married. All right. Sure. And, he and so, for anybody who also doesn't know, Ed the Sock was a Toronto personality who had his own show and he was on Much Music and hosted things. Yeah, so think like. He was literally a pop suck it, a, a sock puppet with a cigar. Right, right. And, think, and he had like this really like hot babe co host <laughs> named Leanna. Yeah. And uh, he was like a cultural phenomenon for a while, especially like during oh, yeah. like much music, which is the Canadian MTV. Yeah. And uh, he was like, he kind of got his whole shtick got kind of ripped off by insult, uh, Triumph the Insult Triumph, Com- totally. Comic Dog. Yeah, so very if you know, similar. If you know Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, uh, Ed the Sock came first, bitches. Yeah, that's, but Ed the Sock, much more uh, out there, more explicit. 
right <laughs> yeah and he, he like triumph copied him totally right it yeah. wasn't the other way around no for all the americans not who at all think who think so but that's like the yeah, secret yeah, history yeah 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 so so you're getting this is where you start so, meeting people so I, meet, in the I meet them I, like i meet all these like artists not just comic people but like but like artists like trainers sure. Uh, che Gothari, who does the Manifesto Festival, which is like yeah. a hip hop festival yeah. in the city. Like mm-hmm. I meet him. Yeah. Um, I bond with uh, Ed, Ed, Steve, uh, Steve Kersner yeah. over comics. Like I realized that he's a super comic book geek. Okay, and cool. then his wedding band is like a gold wedding band with like the Superman logo. Like, oh, that's, that's cool. That's man. like his. He's wedding. that into it. He's that into okay. it. Okay. So, so I'm like, oh my god, I'm meeting all these people. So then in in November of or no, it was October of 2003 is the Paradise Comic Convention. Oh, right? yes. It's the first year. It's like, you know, second month I'm in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. And it's the first, like, big convention with people that I recognize mm-hmm. that are, that are like, you know, from books that I read. Right. So I'm like, I got to go to this. It's I'm going to be in Toronto. It's it's sort of in the winter. Of course. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. And it's at like this National Exhibition Grounds. I hire a wheel train. Oh, they had it at the CNE, eh? Yeah. Right yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like where the Royal Winter Fair is. Yeah, like sure. At the, you know, in that little the building there. complex. Yeah, thing. yeah. And, uh, and, and I'm like, I got to go. This is my first major convention. There's nothing like this in, in, in Vancouver. Right. I got, I got to go to this. So. So I go and it's like it's freezing. Like the the air conditioner or no, the heating is busted. Oh, uh, no. There's not a lot of people there, uh, but it's a great con because there's not a lot of people, uh, which but it's a good vibe. Like there's enough people, but the, there's not a lot of people. And from a fan's perspective, it was great because you could sit and talk for hours with the creators. Like I yeah. I hung out with Phil Jimenez and like right. or Phil Jimenez and just. Yeah. Uh, just like talked with him while he was drawing for other people sure. and we bonded over like politics and stuff like that. Nice. And he gave me his email. He was so impressed with me and stuff. Nice. nice. So it's like, you could just have conversations with people that you've been reading about this whole time. It's amazing. And man. like, they would give you like free <laughs> sketches. Like I would take like uh comic backing boards and I would give them stuff to draw. Yeah. 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 And, and like, I remember like Pia Guerra, who was actually from Vancouver. She's one of the only right. like name yeah. creators. She's the artist on uh, why the last man. Oh yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. Uh, she gave me like an ampersand, you know, like the monkey. What? She drew are me you like, kidding? She drew me like an ampersand. That is sweet. So um, are you, you're still in university? Or, I'm still in university. This, this is like the okay. second month of university. Okay. Right? Like right. October. Right, and I'm taking a weekend to go to this convention. It's the first convention I've ever been to. It's blowing my mind. I go around to like artist. That's awesome. I go around to like artist alley. I meet Jim Starlin. Okay, and I know Jim Starlin, um, you know, from like Infinity Gauntlet, and he actually wrote. He actually drew uh, one of the covers for Miracle Man. So I'm okay. like, Yo, can you draw me a Miracle Man? And he's like, I haven't drawn Miracle Man since I drew that actual cover in like the nineteen like nineteen eighties. So I have no idea what. It looks like. <laughs> but he's like, he's like, if you can like give me the comic, I can like, uh, I can figure just it need out. Need some reference. So yeah. so I, I gave him the thing, and he drew me like a Miracle Man. I saw the Jim Stalin Miracle Man. That's sweet, man. So so I and, and I and I go to Artist Alley. Like this is more important than meeting meeting uh, all the like big name people. I go to Artist Alley, and I meet people like Jason Liu, Pitiful Human Lizard. I meet Andy Belanger, who does. Um, uh, he used to he used to do like this comic called Dead End Fifty Six, but now uh, he's working with Becky, Becky Cloonan. Yes. On a on a comic. Right. Yeah. And uh, 
he's like a big he's like a big dude. He was on Kill Shakespeare. Yeah. So you're starting while. to meet kind of the Toronto staples, so, so the up and comers. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Up and yeah. I, I meet like uh, I meet Kevin at that show because Kevin is uh, Kevin Boy running yes. it. Like yeah. Kevin at the yeah. time that was yeah. Kevin's show. This is people. This is actually kind of. You got to go over to Aaron's uh, speech bubble and you got to listen to Kevin Boyd's three-parter conversation. He's the uh, recently returned uh, runner of the comics and Artist Alley at uh, Fan Expo. But you will hear on Aaron's show the entire history of the Toronto Comic-Con Wars, as I like to call it. Yeah, them. yeah. So we won't get into that. No, but if you want to hear that. about that whole history, you guys had an amazing conversation about yeah, it. So, yeah, it's basically about the conflict between his show, Paradise Comics, yeah. the, the con that we're talking about, and, and the larger show, Fan Expo, Fan Expo, that everybody knows right. about. Yeah. So, and I was I was on the ground floor for that. That's why I asked him about that, because I, sure. I was around for that. Yeah. So, anyway... So I'm meeting like Jason Liu. I'm meeting Andy yes. Melange. Francis Manipal is oh. like just a dude. He's in, not. In he's not the alley. Francis Manipal no, quite yet that he is now. He, yeah. what, like I think I, I don't know. Maybe this was like a little bit before he was he was dating Agnes uh, Gabreski. Yeah. And uh, and but he's just like a shy dude at the at the alley. Mm-hmm. I meet people like Evan Monday. I meet like yeah. Zen Rankin. I meet um, who else? Uh, like everybody that I'm like friends with, like my right. group, sure, uh, doesn't come from university. It comes from, it comes from the scene, the scene, yeah, right, yeah. So awesome. suddenly, every weekend, I'm doing stuff with the scene because people are launching books, people are doing their thing, they're inviting me to their their comic thing. I'm going to like the Coach House Open House, sure, because Evan uh, used to be the publicist for that and stuff. Are you doing much work other than schoolwork at the time? Are no. you writing for anybody? No. Or you just, so just, you're just, just enjoying the scene. Just you're not doing any kind and, of reporting or anything and yet. I am, I am using my comic book connections for school because, because I feel like they're so amazing right. that I'm doing a profile on them. Like I did a profile sure. on, uh, the black bastard. I did a mm-hmm. profile on, uh, I, I did a profile on Leon. I went up to his, his apartment above the, the Harry Tarantula, and we, okay. we interviewed each other. Nice. I did a profile on Sean Ward, like I said I was going to. Yeah. And they're all for, like, school credit. Like, they're all for, like, assignments. Okay, yeah. Like, I'm not selling them anywhere. I'm trying to. Right. But obviously I get rejected because right. I'm new and what the hell. So, just to condense a bit, um, not to skip too far ahead, but you obviously graduated. Yeah, and everything. I, I totally graduated. I'm just curious about the hardcore work because, uh, you know, the few of the pl- things that you've written for Yahoo and HuffPost. Okay, so, and when does that come about? Okay, so I so I graduate. I get a degree. I get um, – at the time in Ryerson, you could you could major in a certain aspect of journalism. You could, do, you could do what they called streams. So you could do like feature writing, which is like magazine writing. You could do online, which is like online okay. reporting. You could do yeah. newspaper. Or you could do broadcast, which is like television and radio type, right. type stuff. So I choose feature writing because I want to do like the in-depth magazine style yeah. journalism. You like so, long form in general, yeah, eh? Yeah. So, so, yeah, so, yeah. Because I feel like it's more cinematic. And you right. Can, you can, it's more um, – that's where like my influence for my fictional writing comes in because with fictional writing, you can like describe the scene. It's more narrative. It's more, right. it's more literary. And, and that's where my fictional writing that I did in high school – and 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 elementary school comes in because it sort of fused both things together. Like what I like about um, literary writing, you know, the description and like the setting, the scene. right, scenes right. are a big part of you like getting ma- in magazine depth. writing. Yeah, yeah, like you you 
you're observing. Like everyone is into like the new journalism, like Hunter S. Thompson style. Yes. So so like that's why Gonzo baby. So, so it was all like it was all like <laughs> making yourself part of the story and like and like you're the observer. It's almost, and, it's just almost, it's almost making bring more art to it. Yeah, and like you yeah. describe things in like super detail. And yes. Like, you know what I mean? So um so so I that's why when I graduated, I graduated with a bachelor of journalism with a major in feature writing. Right. You know. Okay. Not really a major, like not official, but like basically it, you know. Right. Basically it because in the final year I worked on the Ryerson Review of Journalism, which is like the Columbia Journalism Review for wow. Canada kind of thing. That's cool. And that man. was like part of our final course. Like instead right. of doing a practicum at the time, like at an actual magazine, which probably would have been more helpful, um, I worked we, we everyone who did magazine the final year was part of the masthead of the Ryerson Review of Journalism, which wow. was like an actual magazine that came that out. That is cool, man. That you worked in. It was cool, but yeah. I probably would have liked it better if it was, if I got like an actual internship at like an actual at like, at an like a real sure at, sure. A, at an actual magazine, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Because this was like produced by the school, kind of right. Thing. And it was a great experience, but not like an experience that could necessarily lead to a job. Okay. So and it kind of did for me, but I'm not going to get into that. Uh, so, so you're kind of loving life at this point. So, School's so, well, so, getting into so, the scene. Yeah, so I get out of school, and I don't get any of like, the big internships in Toronto. Like I apply yeah. for like you know Globe and Mail, yeah. uh, National Post. So you're here now at this point. You're like, I'm not ever well, going back. Well, right? because friend, my friend Kent is like, yo, if you go to school in Toronto – you do realize, like, you're gonna have to stay here because, because, because you make all your connections here. Yep. If you go back home, you're gonna have to start all over again. Like, mm-hmm. you're not gonna know anyone. Like, how are you gonna get jobs? Because right. no one's gonna know you. You're gonna yeah, not gonna make be, like, sense. A quantity, yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. So, so you have to stay here. You have to like. Don't you want to keep the connections that you have? Were you considering going back? I was. Oh, you were. I, thought, like, I figured it wouldn't cross your mind. I figured you'd be like, "Well, th- I can't leave all this." <laughs> I know, I know. And like, and I was like, "Yeah, like the comic scene is really cool, and I really like the people here and stuff." And that was happening too. But I thought, you know, that's what you do. You go away from university, and then you come back home and take what you learned and yeah, and apply it. Of course. I, but then he, but then he told me something I didn't think of, which is, yeah, but then you're gonna have to start all over again, mm. and you're not gonna know anyone. And yeah. did it break your parents' heart when you decided to stay? I uh, I think they kind of <laughs> knew, but yeah. I don't think they. I, yeah, like I kind of thought that they thought that I would come back, but then but then I think once I decided to stay, they were really scared. Like, how is he gonna make it? Like, what? what but you'd he, already been here for how many years? I know, and, but I yeah. lived in residence the whole time. I guess so. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so that's sort of a. It's like adulthood, but like simulated adulthood when you're in, when you're in university because everything is sort of set up for you. Right, right. Now I got. I want to ask because I don't want this to possibly slip out of this conversation. When does the jujitsu start? Okay, okay. So, okay. So I, I gotta. So so, but I, I gotta finish the thing about my career. So so anyway. Okay. Well. So yeah. so I, I don't get into any of my internships that I apply for. Yeah. Um, I get one job from my handling editor. Uh, on my Ryerson Review of Journalism magazine piece. He works, he's a former uh, teacher at Ryerson. Okay. And he, he was so impressed by the article that I'd written for the Ryerson Review. He's like, yo, I can I can give you a gig. I work for this. Um, That's nice. You just start right yeah, away. Yeah. I work for this uh, financial, um, personal finance website called Bankrate. I'm, I'm, I'm like the Canadian editor for it. Okay. Uh, I can give you like a freelance gig. We pay like 400 bucks an article at the time, which was amazing yeah your head's probably like yeah and, and i worked for bankrate for a number of years they were one of my clients and um and 
the the pay eventually went down, but like that's a, that's another story. Okay. So, <laughs> and, and they eventually folded and whatever. But but anyway, that's that's another story. So it's a start. Right? So so I start with that. I mean, he the first thing that we work on is he gets drafted to do what's called a package, a magazine package for um, the Financial Post Business magazine. Okay. And what a package is is like. In a magazine, whenever you do a series of articles um, on the same topic, like there are different articles but different aspects of the same topic, that's called a package. Okay. So, right. like, uh, you know, it's the it's the home and garden issue. Right. And in the center of the magazine, we're going to have a whole bunch of articles that are on some aspect of yeah. of home and garden. So, okay. so in this, it was like a small business package. So he's like. You know, I'm editing the small business package that's part of this magazine. I want you to write one of the articles. Okay. And it's a pretty big, big, sure. big assignment. Like National yeah. Post Business Magazine, it comes out with the National Post every so often. It's I don't know if it's around anymore. But um, I was writing about uh, selling your small business company uh, to to a corporate entity, like like merging right, right. with a corporate entity sure. and, and making your small business um, – you know, uh, part like a division of a okay. of a larger company, yeah. getting kind of, of conglomerated into and something. Yeah, 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 and how yeah. that works. Like it was right. called selling up or selling out? Question mark. Kind of thing. <laughs> nice. So yeah, so that's the thing. And then he's like, yeah, and then you can work for Bankrate for me. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, um, and at the time, uh, I had made a connection with Abilities Magazine, which is the Canadian disability magazine. Right on. And I'm like, yo, disability, like. I should use that because it's the only thing I have. You've got a unique point of view. You, you yeah. know, and a lot of people don't know about like all the issues facing people with disabilities. So, I mean, I should write for like the disability magazine stuff. So I was smart enough to do that and get a gig there. Um, I went on like the journalism job boards like Jeff Gollin and Media Job Search Canada. And I found uh, gigs for askmen.com. Okay. And they paid like 50 bucks an article. And they would assign every – like you'd get – a bunch of assignments and like they would assign stuff and you'd be on contract and even though you're making like 50 bucks an article there were so many articles that by the end of the month you could make a you could make a lot of money right right yeah so i'm like this freelancing thing is pretty good like i got so busy freelancing that i didn't really uh go to get in a regular job there was a period of time where i did work uh in-house on a contract on a temporary contract for uh, investment executive, which is a newspaper for financial professionals. Um, okay. They, every year they do like an annual survey of like every sector of the financial business and how empl- what employees think of different aspects of their business. Okay. And then you write articles based on how they rate certain aspects of their business. So I did that for half a year for like 35 bucks an hour. It was amazing, blah, blah, blah. But then that ended and I went back to freelancing. But for, for a period of time when I had that job, I would like you know, stay there all day and then I would come home and freelance till three o'clock in the morning and then I would get up and go, go to work. Right. And it was at like Young and Shepherd kind of thing and I was living near Ryerson. So that was like crazy. I wasn't getting any sleep at all but like I'd made a ton of money and put it in the bank and, and stuff like that. And when I first got out of, of school, I wasn't doing anything. Um, I ended up going on um, Ontario Disability Support okay. because I'm like, at least that'll give me an income sure. that I'm like entitled pay rent, to right? <laughs> as a person with disability. It's Gotta not eat. much. It's what is it, like $900 a month? Like not even that much. It'll feed you. But, but, yeah. but it, was, it, was, it was a start, you know, when you didn't have anything and you were trying to find your footing. And then I found an internship at the Jewish Tribune 
for like six dollars an hour for like six dollars an hour adding another niche to the whole right, right. <laughs> i'm not and, just and, disabled i'm a disabled jew yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so i was doing that for a while and that's kind of how i started i was supporting myself on odsp and like six dollars the jewish tribune right. but then eventually like the odsp you have to report your income like oh you know you have to like every well, yeah they want to keep track i'm you, sure every month you report your income and for every dollar you make they take away half right so it's kind of like unemployment. It's like re- it way. is yeah, like unemployment, yeah. except it's different because you're a person with disability. Right. But it keeps you in like a cycle of poverty. Like you can never really move up because, you, in order to qualify for the program, you have to have the ceiling for assets in your bank account has to be seven thousand dollars. Okay. And you can't make over a certain amount of money, so you can never save enough to like get right. away from it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Unless unless you're you get a job that's so good. That you don't need the ODSP anymore. Yeah, it's best so, to just get off it if you can. So when I yeah. went to so when I went to investment executive, uh, I was finally making enough money to like get off the ODSP, and they're like, uh, and and I forgot about the asset limit thing. Like I was reporting my income, but I wasn't re- reporting my asset limits. And they're like, oh well, you weren't reporting your asset limits. You owe us a ton of you owe us a lot of money. Oh now. no! And I'm like, oh my god. So I I'm just like screw this, and I wrote them a check. I'm like, how much do you want? I wrote them a check. Uh, like I went to the social services office. I'm like, yo, how much do I owe you? And she's like, I don't know. It was like 300 or something, okay. whatever bucks. And I'm like, fine, here, here. See you later. I'm off there. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't even want to be part of this anymore. Yeah. And they were really surprised because, because their attitude there is like, is like, yeah, there's no way he's going to be able to pay that. Like they were assuming I'm going to have to like pay it in installments or something. Or something you figure like of that. all the people who wouldn't be ignorant yeah. to your capabilities, yeah. it would be them. No, but no, no, sure, no. you're right. They want to keep you on the program. Right. They don't want to help you. They right. say that like they want to help you get a job or whatever, but like they're they're trying yeah. to keep you down a little. Yeah. Bit. So so like yeah so I do that I get off ODSP I've been off ODSP ever since. Um, my journalism has sort of been like feast or famine. Um, okay. Um, how you get gigs is like, you know, you, you pitch stories, but I knew that like I couldn't just pitch single articles every month because like that would be a bit of a slog trying okay. to trying to pitch ideas and like hoping they'd get accepted every month so that you had some income. So my experience with Ask Men taught me that it's better to be like a contract producer where they keep coming to you right, of course. for ideas and you have to keep producing for them and, and they, they're going to keep coming to you. Re- coming Builds to a good relationship kind of too, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so that's what I tried to find was that kind of a thing. Okay. And, and, I, and I found uh, AOL. Um, they had seen my bank rate stuff that I'd done with the teacher and they were like, yo, we really like your stuff. We've been – you know, posting your Bankrate articles on our site because we have a relationship with Bankrate where we cool. we share content, whatever. And we're launching uh, this site called Wallet Pop Canada. Do you want to come in for it? And I'm like, yeah, totally. And they were paying. You know, I was like a regular contributor there suddenly. That's awesome. You know? um, and then, and then like, but like, it's a feast or famine thing still because eventually, you know, websites fold or. Right. Or like you, you do something that like a client doesn't like, and, and tiniest you, little thing you don't yeah. have the client anymore, kind of right, thing. Or like right. people move on or whatever. So suddenly you don't have those those things anymore. You got to find other things to do, right? Right. So like for for like about a year in like 2011, like I wasn't I was trying to 
all my major stuff seemed to be falling apart at the same time. Oh, like yeah? all, all the things that I was Damn. that I was doing, like they were going out of business. The websites were folding. No fault of my own. Just no, like, just coincidentally happened to be yeah, all happening. They were then, like, yeah. they were like, you know, we don't want to do this website anymore. Or like right. this website shutting down. AOL decided they don't want to do it. You know, Huffington Post bought AOL and they decided they didn't want to do the site anymore. Um, I was still writing a little bit for Huffington Post Entertainment. That's right. my connection to Huffington Post because yeah. from the AOL thing, I got into Huffington Post because awesome, they owned dude. it kind of thing. Yeah, that's cool. And then, yeah. But then after a while, like all those sites started shutting down and, and Huffington Post was shutting down the site that I was working for and things were cannibalizing and I didn't have a lot of money and my parents were helping me pay rent and oh, it was, it was, it was bad. It was right. bad. And it took me a while to like build it back up again and get in with Yahoo. Sure. And, you know, and the way that I got in with Yahoo is I'd always, after graduation, I belonged to the Toronto Freelance Editors and Writers Listserv. Okay. And it's a bunch of Toronto Freelance Editors and Writers on like a Yahoo group. It's like a Yahoo group where we discuss like issues facing writers and stuff. And every so often, like somebody there is like in an edit editor position because sometimes you're a freelancer and then you get a job, right? right. So you're not a freelancer anymore. You get you get like an editor job, but you're still on the listserv. So every so often, like editors will be like, "Yo, we're looking for people to do X thing," right? And that's what happened with Yahoo. They were like, "We're looking for writers for our news thing. You think you think you can do that?" And I I I messaged and I'm like, "Yeah, I can totally do that." Yeah. And um. <laughs> And I gave the person some samples, and she's like, you know, I don't think you'd be really good for breaking news. Like, I think you'd be better for, like, feature writing. Cause yeah. Because that, like, that's what you know, you've been doing. Expose or portfolio. Um, luckily or for you, you know, I'll pass your name on to, like, the feature writing people, and, like, they can hire you on as people, as as a person that's writing for them. Right. So that's why now I work for Yahoo. So you are a contracted Yahoo worker. You're not just freelance. I am freelance, but but – I have um, they and I have to pitch my ideas to Yahoo, but I but now I have the contacts where they keep coming to me. Like what happens is when you're when you're kind of like a, a known contract player, like somebody that like is is considered a contributor to a website. Right, you have a reputation. Yeah, right. you still have to pitch your ideas, and they don't necessarily have to take them. Right, but they will keep coming back to you. As opposed to well, they some, know you, as, they trust you. As opposed to some other guy, right? right? Of course. So what happened with Yahoo is like, okay, you're a contributor with Yahoo now. Uh, you know, pitch us some ideas. We'll sign the ones we like, but we'll also, if we come up with some ideas, we'll give them. We'll give them to you to, awesome. to work on. Okay, so. nice. So you don't have to do all the heavy yeah. lifting. Yourself. And at the same time, you're not. You don't have to be exclusive to them. You can do whatever yeah, other freelance work you want to do. Freelance work I want to do. Nice. Um, you know, every so often they'll give me they'll give me an article. I'll pitch articles. But like, in order to keep your income going, you got to keep giving them right. ideas and keep pitching. And keep. Do you ever uh, have your own thing, like your own blog? Or anything? Uh, Never did? The thing about my own blog is uh, I'm not going to get paid to do my own blog okay. like, initially. And I'm doing enough writing during the day for my paid clients right. that the last thing I want to do in my off time is more is writing. write more. <laughs> my girlfriend says, you know, when we have kids, you should start a blog because there's not a lot of resources for parents with disabilities. And then after you start a blog, you can you can publish that's a book. Thinking. You that's can publish thinking. a bit book based on your experience sure. as a parent with a disability. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good idea. I think that, that's a fantastic that's something idea. I'm, that's something I'm totally gonna do, kind of thing. You That'll know what be I mean? great. Exactly. All right. But like, I wouldn't just start a blog just to like just for ju- the just fun of it. Start right, the fun right. of it, whatever. So tell me about jujitsu. Okay, so 
Yeah, okay. So jujitsu, um, and this is crazy. Like we're going from like comics to jujitsu. It's probably like it's probably a swerve for the audience. But it's but, not. Anybody listening to this show is used to it. So. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> um, so jujitsu. How I started with jujitsu is like um, there was a there was a point where I'd been living in Toronto for a while. I was a little lonely. I didn't have a girlfriend. I was I was sort of um, you know all my comic book people like they're cool and everything, but the Toronto comic scene gets into this mode where like you know unless there's a con coming around and you see people at like the convention, nobody really makes an effort. Yes. To see, to see, see, this is what we were talking about before. In Motor City and like places like Michigan yeah. and Philly, these people spend their weekends together having barbecues and stuff, which you're seeing more of here. Yeah, you see more. And you of. know things like like uh, Shay's gonna do pints and pages again. Right. So things are cool like that. But absolutely, go on. Sorry. Yeah. 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 And like I'd known like you know Ramon Perez when he was a when he was a sure you know artist alley table guy yeah struggling you know, you know kind of thing he yeah was, he was doing uh, butternut squash nice with his buddy kind of that was like a like a autobiographical comic strip and stuff. Cool. But like nobody sort of like gets together. Nobody mm. like I'm not getting phone calls from them. Yo, Aaron, we're buddies. You want to hang out or anything like that? Right. People are kind of like they're waiting for the next convention to like conveniently see each other because everybody's yeah. going to be in the same place, right? Right, right. And I mean, I get it. Like artists are busy. They they have deadlines. They're doing their thing. Sure. I'm at this point sort of one of those like hangers on. Like I'm sort of a comic groupie. Like I know them, but well, that's kind of our role. Yeah. Our role is to unite these people. The right. fact that they don't do that it's they're too busy like you just said and everything that's our job yeah. as like you know whatever we are right so <laughs> i don't really have much of a social life unless there's like a comic convention coming up nobody like i'm really surprised that like no one's really taking the time to like you know like i some people have social circles where like you become like a road dog you have your group of people and you you spend a lot of time together, like all right. the time. Yeah, I never had that. Like, I, I never, I never had that. People, okay, people will kind of be my friends. So you're in general kind of a loner. Yeah, more yeah. People, your whole life. People okay. kind of be like, you know, they would be my friend for for you know convenience. Oh, Aaron, nice, cool, nice, right, nice right. to see you. Whatever. I'd go to like movies every so often with people and stuff. But like after a while, like people would sort of forget about you and sure, and like, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what I mean. So yeah. I was feeling like lonely. I came back home for for Christmas. Um, that year, this was, I think, like, 20, Christmas of 2011, and my, my, my family was noticing that I was getting a little overweight, there was oh, yeah. a lot of, like, uh, sitting at the desk writing, sitting on the scooter, not really moving Eating, around. like, crap and shit. Eating, like, yeah. dorm Comfort room. food. Yeah, and crap like that, <laughs> yeah. and I was, I was a little depressed, and, and my father, like, He's not very subtle. He uh, it's like you get fat. He, no, 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 no. Like he, it was weird. It, it was crazy. Like it was like very overt what he did. He gave me a like. I woke up in the morning. I was staying at his house. I, I woke up in the morning, and and I I had this chair that I would sit in, and I, I sat in the chair, and on the little ottoman footrest, there's a there's a newspaper article, and it's like uh, obesity leads to heart attack and stroke. And he'd highlighted, he'd, he'd highlighted relevant passages, and he, and he just he didn't tell me; he just left it there. He just left for it me there. to find, for me to really get the message. Intent, suddenly. yeah, yeah, yes. exactly. So, so I'm like, oh man, like, like I gotta, I gotta change some stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at the time, I was a fan of the UFC. This was at the time when like the Ultimate Fighter 
was starting, you know, the, yeah. like their reality show. This yeah. was after Diaz should have won last night, but you know, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah. like, okay, so so UFC like it used to be on pay per view, but mm-hmm. then but then it started getting a contract with Spike. Yep. And the Ultimate Fighter mm-hmm. became like a show on on yeah. a weekly basis. And like before that, like I'd heard of the UFC, but never got to watch it because like I didn't have pay per view. But now that it was on cable, you know, y- you got into it. Like I got right. to know about the fighters and stuff like that. Yeah. And you know, I watched the countdown shows and stuff. And I and I was a huge fan of the UFC. And after that, I because I was a huge fan of the UFC, and like Joe Rogan was like the color commentator. You yeah. Know, the color. Absolutely. Commentator UFC. Oh yeah. And I really liked his color commentary. And I was getting into podcasts. Yeah. And I was like. I found the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm there like, oh my go. God, Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. And I fell in love with the Joe Rogan podcast. All 80 hours a week of it. <laughs> At the time. At the time. Yeah. I don't know if like, was it 80 hours a week? No, I'm then? totally exaggerating. But he was doing like, uh, like you'd get like six to nine hours a yeah, week. I, I, think it, I think it increased. Like as I started listening, it, yeah. was, it started as like one hour, two hours a week. Yeah. And, then, and then it got even more and he yeah. did even more shows. Yeah. But anyway, I started listening to the Joe Rogan podcast and I was still a UFC fan. And he had a show that changed my life, okay? He and Eddie Bravo, uh, who's like his yeah, friend, he yeah. does jiu-jitsu. Yeah, yeah. And he master also Master judo practitioner. He, he Sorry, master jiu-jitsu practitioner. Yeah, the 10th yeah. planet, yeah. the 10th planet jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. They were talking about jiu-jitsu and like the virtues of jiu-jitsu and how uh, anyone can do jiu-jitsu. It's like a ground sport. It's, it's low yeah. impact. Um, and the thing about jiu-jitsu is like you don't have to stand and strike – you can be on your knees and mm-hmm. you can do the things. And and I and it and it clicked for me. I'm like, I'm a dude who doesn't like going to the gym. Yeah. I'd been doing physiotherapy since I was three to the time I was eighteen. Right. Just before I left for Damn. for for BC. And it's very like monotonous and they don't really have a, a solution for you to continue your physical activity. What what their solution is is uh, we're gonna take you to the gym and uh, we expect you to go to the gym now. Right. On a re- on a regular on, regu- on a, a regular, regular basis, basis, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. but but I hated like the repetition of the gym and like you're doing the same thing all the time. Like it's not it's not really you're fun. not getting anywhere. Even yeah. though you're getting stronger, your muscles right. get bigger. There's no goal. Yeah. There's no accomplishment. Yeah. There's no sense of accomplishment. And I was right? I was like a lazy or dude. reward. Yeah, yeah, I'm like a lazy dude. Right. So, so <laughs> and like there's nothing about the gym that like motivates me to want to work out. Right. So I'm listening to. Joe Rogan, and I'm like, how come I didn't realize this before? Like, I know that I can't stand and strike. Like, I always thought like martial arts was out for me because you know, as soon as I had to like stand yeah, up, you and can't pun- be kicking and jumping, yeah. and yeah, 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 and standing and punching a guy. Like, unless I'm like leaning against a wall, as soon as I pu- go to punch someone. I'm going to fall. Like, yeah. Like, as, as I'm, uh, you know, or if I laugh too hard, I'm just going to collapse. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, that's not going to happen. Like, well, like well, how am I going to do that? But then I, I don't know why I didn't put this together watching the UFC and seeing the ground fighting style of jiu-jitsu as part of the UFC. Yeah. But like the way that Eddie Bravo and him were explaining it and saying how like, you know, you're basically – you know, the distribution of weight and like you're on your knees and it's right. like low impact and you're rolling and it's, totally yeah. And I'm like, wow, like this it's is perfect. A, yeah. This is a martial perfect art fit. that I can actually do. Like I've always had a really strong upper body. Yeah. I've always been better balanced on my knees than on my feet. Yeah. And this might actually be a martial art or a, or a sport 
and I'd done other sports before, like wheelchair basketball and like, okay. the, you know, but always adapted sports for people with disabilities are the disabled version right. of whatever able-bodied sport that it is, right? right? But I thought, since jujitsu is already on the ground and like rolling and whatever, and since you can adapt your game to however... It is. Like, there's not a right. set of moves that you have to learn in order to master jiu-jitsu. It's the only kind of adjustment from regular that you kind of have to start on the ground. Yeah. Like, well, like the, the grappling start is kind of taken out of it. Other than is, that, it's the same. Yeah, yeah. Like when you start on the ground, like, like in, in regular jiu-jitsu matches, you start on the feet. Right. But, but my adaptation is I have to start on the ground. And you yeah. start on the ground when you're training anyway. Right. Like oh, when okay. We're tra- when okay. we're training, we start on the ground. If you're competing, you start on the feet, and somebody has to try to take you to the ground. Okay. But I always adjust it during competition where I'm always starting on the ground. That's the only adaptation, right? That's awesome. Which is not even really an adaptation because everybody is training starting on the ground anyway. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I figure, like, this is the only sport where it's not a, like, disabled version of this sport. It's not an adapted version of an able-bodied sport. This is a, a sport where... I can actually do what everyone else is doing, right? And it's just part of the regular sport. Right. I can actually compete on it's an on eh? an equal level, yeah, equal, yeah, with uh, able-bodied people. Like I actually have a chance, and yeah. nobody has to like modify yeah. much, yeah. and and that kind of thing. That's what I thought. Like like you know, yeah, of course. So I'm like I'm like this is great. Like I don't understand why I didn't think of this before. Yeah. And like and like, it's not going to be boring because you yeah. know I'm a kind of aggressive guy. My fa- my um, my brother and I used to fight all the time. We're close in age. Sure, yeah, we used to, yeah. We used to like beat the crap out of each other. We used to have like these wars when we were growing up, kind of yeah. thing. So like, I get the whole like manly testosterone thing that needs to be released, and like being able to like legally beat some someone up is pretty. I mean, not beat somebody up, but like you know aggressively try to choke them or yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, of me. course, you know I mean? yeah, yeah. Because there's a certain man, need some testosterone off. There's a certainly off, man. manly yeah. energy that needs to be released. Absolutely, absolutely, right? man. Yeah, and I can do it without going to jail. Kind that's of cool. But you do. Uh, your uh, where do you go? What's your school? Okay, so so this is another thing. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna call uh, a school. And I go, my criteria for school is it has to be downtown because I live downtown. And I, and I had heard that all the mixed martial arts schools in Toronto were like in North York or like up north of the city. And, I, you know, where it's not very accessible and like right, subway right. service starts going away and whatever. So I'm like, it's got to be downtown. I got to find a downtown place. That's like my only criteria. So I type in Toronto BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And there happens to be... A school at like Bloor and Christie called Toronto BJJ. Yes. It's literally the first result on Google. <laughs> I click on it. I look at the map. I'm like, yo, that's totally near like Done. Bathurst subway station. That's accessible. I can get to that. So I call them up, you know, after a few like nervous, like maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, whatever. I call them up and I, and I, and I do the spiel that I, that I normally do whenever I'm trying to sign up for a physical activity. Like I, I've, I've tried to do gyms with personal trainers before. Okay. You know, did like the Bally's Fitness sure, or like the Good Life sure. Fitness thing. So fun. And it always ends in a particular way where it's like, okay, it starts out fine, but then eventually somebody sits you down, talks to you really softly. Oh no! And, like really? a child, and goes, Aaron, I, 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 you're you're an awesome dude. <laughs> but but I don't know like man, I don't know what I don't know what we can do anymore. I think I think we've hit the limit of uh, 
of of what we can do with you. Um, right. You know, you're a person with disability, and we we just I don't know if it's gonna work. Right. You don't. You know, you're. You can come back. You can do what you do. But like, man. As far as them and their yeah, knowledge, I, they can't I do much more for you. I don't think we can do you. for you. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna have to go. Kind of thing. Right. We're kind of at a loss. Right. And I'm totally expecting them to say that at jujitsu. I'm totally waiting for them to be like, like as soon as I say I'm a dude with cerebral palsy, I'm waiting for them to go. Oh, right. well. You know, we're concerned about liability. Right, we don't right. want you to get hurt. Right. Uh, we don't. We're not really prepared to accommodate people with disabilities because that's the spiel that I normally got from like the training community and like right. the gym community and stuff yeah, like you're that. Just expecting the so usual. So I expect yeah. that. So I call him up and I go, "Yo, you know, I want to do jujitsu, but here's the thing: I have cerebral palsy." Uh, is that is that gonna be a yeah, problem? And you're waiting for the no. is that gonna be a problem? Yeah. And they're like, and I'm waiting for them to go. Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna work. Uh, but he goes, uh, the guy. He's like Luke. He's like, he's like, no, like come in, try it, like whatever, it doesn't matter. We'll, yeah. we'll, fi- we'll figure it out. And I'm like, are you sure? Like I, I was, I, I was giving them trying to you just know, forewarn them yeah, of what you're getting yeah, into yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And I was, I was anticipating them. Like I, I was basically thinking, man, you don't know what you're talking about. Like you don't know. You're, yeah. you're biting off more than you can chew here. Like, eventually, I'm going to go there and you're going to be like, yeah. you're going to reject me somehow. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, are you sure? Like, I'm like, you probably don't know what I'm talking You can't see me. This is the phone. You probably have no idea what I'm saying. You just kind of want my business right. kind of thing. Yeah. So I go there and he gives me a tour of the place and everybody comes up to me and goes, like, hey, how's it going? Like, they take time out to like introduce themselves. Sure. Uh, they, like, everybody approaches me. It feels like. I'm home. It feels like a brother brotherhood. Like everybody okay. knows me. Yeah. Nobody's judged. Nobody. I don't get the very stairs. comfortable. Very welcoming. I don't welcoming. get the stairs yeah. that I usually. Oh, person, how's he gonna do this? <laughs> yeah. What What is this like? And nobody's focusing on my disability. Nobody is saying like, okay, so you're disabled. Uh, I don't know. Like, what can you do? Like, they're always right. asking you. Questions. They're like, screw it, get out there yeah, and roll. You're asking. Yeah. You know, they don't care. They're like. Yeah, like whatever, and, I, and I'm more focused, preoccupied with, the, with it than they with are. The than they are, right? And then, uh, and then he like he go, we go into the office, and he and it's like a serious thing, and he goes, uh, so what do you want to get out of this? And I'm like, like you're asking me what I want to get out of it? Like, are, or shouldn't I be asking you like how you're gonna help me? Yeah, so that, yeah. So that was like a, di- I'm like, whoa, like I wasn't prepared to like that there's going to be an exam at the end of the, at the, end of the <laughs> thing. And he's like, like, are you thinking you want to compete? Are you thinking you want to train? Like, like, and, he, and he's like, you got to write down like your goals, like spiritual goals, like, because this is going to happen, like write down your goals. And I'm like, wow, like I'd never really considered it seriously because I was prepared to get it rejected the whole time. So I'm like, wow, like they must be really serious. Like they must be really wanting me to commit. So I, I did. And they're like, you know, it's no obligation. It's a 30-day free trial. And it was. It wasn't like, you know, we'll try to sign you up after the first day right? kind of thing. You know, first class is like a one-on-one class. We'll partner you up with somebody and, uh, and they'll teach you kind of thing. And then one of the coaches, uh, Nathan Nacho Rector, who's my nice. buddy, <laughs> he, he designed like a warm-up for me. So I do a little bit of a separate warm-up than every other, peop- other people right. um, instead of – because there's a lot of rolling and flipping and 
somersault. Because right. haven't I seen you with other disabled yeah, okay, practitioners? So that, that's, that's, that's like tournaments or something yeah, else? Yeah, that's a different... Okay. But that's you're a, the only one in your place. For now. Well, at this time, okay. I am the only one... At, at the, that time. At the only okay. one in my place. And uh, it's run by this... Um, it's instructed by this guy, uh, George Brito. Okay. And he's like... Uh, he's like a, he's from like the original Gracie school. Oh, really? You know, wow, by, yeah, yeah. Taught by Helio Gracie. Amazing. You know, he's, he's like old school lineage. That's amazing, yeah. You know, we're a Solo Ribeiro school. Solo Ribeiro is wow. one of the one of the most decorated people yeah. in the sport. Um, so he's like, he says to me right away, he goes, "Aaron, just because you're a disability, I'm not treating you any different. Like you gotta, you yeah, gotta, yeah. You know, just be, we all have our challenges. He's like, I have a bad knee, but you don't see me. You don't see me complaining. So yeah, yeah. You just gotta adapt your stuff. You gotta, you know. And he tells me that like jujitsu was founded originally as an adapted sport because. Um, Carlos was teaching regular Japanese jiu-jitsu, Carlos Gracie, and then Helio, he broke his leg, and he had to, uh, there was a time when he had to substitute teach for Carlos, because Carlos hadn't shown up uh, ah. for class, and, and so he's like, well, what do I do, I just, I just came coming off an injury, and he's like, so he invented a lot of the techniques for Brazilian jiu-jitsu because he needed a way for him as like a weaker guy who was just coming off of a broken leg right. to um, be able to overtake yeah, to adapt uh, yeah. overtake like these bigger opponents and and what came out of that was Brazilian jiu-jitsu That's and then awesome. and then Carlos Gracie was like yo this is cool we should we should do this kind of developing thing developing it you know yeah, you know yeah. what i mean and so 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 when when George told me that and he told me like you know jiu-jitsu like it's not like you have to master a certain number of techniques. It's not a video game. You know, you can right. adapt and find your own game. Evolve and, yeah. yeah. So you don't have to know everything, but just do what you can do and uh, find right. your own way of, of doing things and adapting things. And, right. You know, you tell us, like, what your strengths and weaknesses are and what you can do. So they're always challenging me to come up with things for yeah. myself. That's amazing. And figure it out myself. And, yeah. and, and Nacho had devised, like, a warm-up for me. You know, first, like, year that I was there, uh, he would, like, one-on-one -on -one teach me. Like, he was my only partner That's cool. that I would work with. Right. They must have been impressed you with know? your progress and stuff, well, eh? like, yeah. Or like, at least they knew you had the, you, the drive to... Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and at that point, I was going, like, twice a week. I was single. I was going twice a week. It was, like, my, it was like my life. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I made it to, to, to Green Belt, which is a, not an official belt, but it was, it's a belt within our within our academy that lets the instructors know that, a, yeah. that you can be in the more advanced classes. Right. But when you're competing, you're still a white belt. It's, right. just, it's just a signal like you're not quite a blue belt yet, which is the next belt, okay. but you're you're getting there. It's, okay. like, it's like a signal of your progress. Right. So I made green belt after like the first uh, first year. I made green belt in Taekwondo. Cool. <laughs> so um, First year, nice. Yeah, and then, and, then, and then like blue belt soon after, like after the first two years. So I was like on track, like I was, yeah, I was doing the moving. stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now with my relationship and everything, and I have an injury right now. Right. It's it's slowing down a little bit, but I want to get back into it. Yeah. I, it's really important for my health, you know. Of course. Physiotherapy because yeah. um, cerebral palsy is something. It's like if you don't do anything, you sort of lose your capabilities. Okay. Right. You know, your muscles. Like any muscles. Get yeah. Out. Your yeah. muscles start tightening up again. Sure. Sure. It's, sure. It's not good. So I gotta. I got to get back into it more regularly. It sucks that I'm injured right now, but well, that's okay. I mean, injuries you know I mean? have same thing with me at work. You know, I yeah. get injured and I'm off or whatever. But it's just it, it's 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 amazing how it's well, it's been it's helped you 
fill out your life yeah, so much. And, and right? I got busier and like I got in a relationship. I moved in with my girlfriend. After I moved in with my girlfriend, I, I started going less because it was more about us. And How like, long you guys been, been together? Then? Uh, about uh, two and a half years, almost three nice. years. Very nice. Yeah. Very so cool. Almost three years, like three years in October. Is that the girl I saw with you in the garden on Facebook? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, very probably. nice. Very she's nice. A, lovely she's a girl. Person. So yeah. It's cool. Very lovely. So, um, so yeah, so that's you did too. And then, and then how, um, another person with cerebral palsy went to my gym is he listened to the Joe Rogan podcast too and thought the same thing as me, (laughs) independent of me. I didn't know him at all. And he phoned up Toronto B today and was expecting the same song and dance that I was expecting that they were going to like totally reject him because it never happened. Like, Usually when you're working out at a gym and you're a person with a disability, you're the only person with a disability that they've ever seen doing that kind of thing. Right. So um, he was expecting them, like him to be like the only one there. But they're like, he's like, yeah, so I have cerebral palsy. Is that going to be a problem? And they're like, oh, we have another guy like that. And he's like, the guy must have been and he's so like, what? happy. What? Yeah. Like that never happens. Yeah. So that's what happened. Oh, that's good Steven, for him, eh? My friend Steven. And yeah, we, that's we, awesome. <laughs> and you, in turn, get to be an inspiration and an influence for someone else right, in, the, right, exactly. in your situation. Right, right, that's exactly. amazing, man. So, so yeah. So that's how the jujitsu thing happened. Yeah. Um, how the podcast happened. Yes. My podcast. Yes. And this will probably be the last thing. Yes, we'll be about. rounding it out. It's starting to get a little busy in here on a beautiful Sunday afternoon right. at the sidekick. But so, yes. So anyway, so the podcast. Okay, I'm at a jujitsu tournament. I'm I'm at. Uh, the GTA really? Classic okay. at the Brampton Soccer Center in Brampton. Okay. It's, it's uh, maybe my second or third tournament. And uh, and I see this guy, uh, Alex Ross. Yes. Not, not the comic not the Alex guy, Ross. <laughs> but I see this dude, Alex Ross. Toronto's Alex Ross. And yes. he is like one of the guys at the table because you, you when a jiu-jitsu tournament, you go, you like weigh in. You go to the table, you sign in, they tell you, like, you know, who you're fighting and right. stuff like that. So he practices and, himself. And, and he, well, he did at the time. Okay. I, I don't know All if right. he does anymore. Okay. But um, at, at the time, he was doing, like, promotions and stuff for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournaments. Like, he was at the desk. He was checking people in and stuff. And he's like, hey, like, are you are you Aaron Broberman? And I'm like, yeah. And, and he's like, uh, I know you. And I'm like, ah. I, I don't know. I don't see think, how. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where. And he's like, yeah, we went to the same school. We went to Ryerson together. And I'm like, really? Wow. What pro? Like, he's like, yeah. Like, I met you. I, I have I, I have a video of you, um, uh, on my desktop on my computer. And I'm like, what? What, what? is this? Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I'll show it to you. Like, don't get freaked out. I'll show it to you. But like, I know who you are, even though you don't know who I am. At sure. All. Okay. And he says. Uh, so he shows me this video. He sends it to me later. And it's it's a video of him. And this is like an incidental meeting that I had totally forgotten about. He had an assignment for RTA that was similar to the streeter assignment that I had when I was in first year reporting class where you just interview random people. Okay. And his idea was I want to interview um, people and challenge them about why they press the automatic door button going out of the Ryerson, the, the Rogers Center where we study journalism. Right. Why do they press the automatic door button when they don't have a disability? Right. Like he was going to call them out. He was sure. calling them out on it and trying to get it on film, trying to get their reaction yeah, yeah. on film. And uh, I'd run into him. Like I just happened to be coming through the door because like, he was standing by the door. Oh, my God. When I was going to school. And and he asks me, he's like, he's like, what do you think of like people – 
using the automatic door button and pressing the automatic door button who don't actually have disabilities. Like, does that bother you? And I'm like, no. Like, they're doing the work for me. If I don't have to press the button, it makes it easier for me. Like, you know, right. you know whatever. Who right. cares? Like, yeah. We all have to get to where we're going. And he liked that answer, and he remembered that. And, and I was on film on his desktop. That's amazing. For all those years, small city doing that thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he's like, he's like, yo, um, I, 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 I'm trying to start this podcast network. I think you'd be really good at it. If you have any ideas for a show, let me know. Hit right. me up, and and we'll try to get the show happening. I'm like, I've always wanted to do a podcast, right? But. The thing that stopped because I'm a big fo- podcast fan. I was right. to Mark Marin. Yeah, WTF you're big Mark on Marin. You're a big Marin guy. Yeah, yeah. I listen. I love him too, but you're a big Marin I guy. Listen to, yeah. I, I listen to Joe Rogan. I used to. I don't so much anymore because it just got too long. Meaning there's just too much of it. Uh, a lot of like <laughs> This American Life and like okay. NPR and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um. So so I'm I was like a big podcast fan and I always wanted to do a podcast, but the problem with the podcast is like. I, I don't I can't buy the equipment. I don't have any like technical knowledge. I'm a really good interviewer because of my journalism. Right. But like I don't know how to like run the boards. Mm-hmm. I never took uh, radio and television arts technology kind of sure, thing. Sure. Yeah. I'm just you the just didn't know what you were in for. I'm right, just the journalist, yeah. right? And like that stuff's expensive, and I and I want if I'm gonna do it, I want to do it professionally. I don't want to just do it with like the built-in mic on my computer because that sounds horrible. Right. Yeah. And uh, the podcast that I'd heard that my friends had tried to do. We're just like these homemade, no production value type of things. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it if it wasn't going to have like some professional right, production value. Because yeah. I'd been listening to all these like – I'd been listening to like the creme oh, de la creme of podcasts. Of yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to be sort of there. <laughs> so like – and I'm like I'm – like, like the barrier to doing a podcast is I, I don't have the technical knowledge. I don't have the editing knowledge. I, I don't have the money to spend on like quality equipment or whatever. But here's this guy, Alex Ross – who comes along and goes, yo, I got this show. Uh, I, I'm starting a podcast network, like a group of shows. And uh, if you're one of my shows, like you get to use my house. Like I'm going to buy the equipment. Like you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I'll figure out all the technical stuff. You just book the guests. So everybody who records on that network goes to his place to record, yeah. eh? Wow. Yeah, he must yeah. have a busy place every night. He does. He's also an Airbnb host. So, Is he really? <laughs> so there's always people coming and going. Nice. Right? Like a hippie commute. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's really good at it, too. Like, like Podcast the, commute. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's always people coming and going. Some of them okay. are podcast people and guests, and some people yeah. are Airbnb people. And you're liking it? Because you've been kicking ass, man. So you've been I, doing so, so well. I said, So I said to him, I'm like... I'm like, this is perfect. Like, I don't have to do anything. I just come in, do the interview, which I'm good at, leave, yeah. and everything else is done, is taken yeah. care of. Yeah. So I'm like, what can I do for a show? I've always wanted to do something on comics. Like, like I've always tried to be like a comics journalist. Yeah. But I never w- was able to break into like comic book resources. A lot of money immediately. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. I, I wrote a few articles on comics and interviewed a few comic people. But, like, it's really a struggle to be, like, a full-time comics journalist. Right. So I'm, like, how do I exercise, like, my comics knowledge and, like, you know, stay connected to that world but, like, not have to work so hard to try to, like, find work and stuff? And I'm, like, I know all these people. Like, all these people that are getting big now that I met from all my years of going to, like, Fan Expo and – Right. Because you know, that exactly. Paradise Comic Convention in 2003, I started going to conventions, like, every year. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Those That's guys, when you're hooked. You're those, like, guys yeah. were, those guys were my buddies. Yeah. You know, yeah. I knew Ramon when and that kind of thing. So I had so many contacts. And I'm, like, you know what I like? I like the Mark Maron podcast because he goes deep. 
he gets to like the heart of um, these like yeah. really big epic interviews and you hear things from these people that like you don't get to hear in like these short sort of sound it's not wash like so, his, yeah. his curiosity makes it genuine yeah it's, yeah. it's not yeah. and it's not like these sound bitey interviews and questions not at that all that you've yeah. heard answers to like the whole time so I'm like what if I could do that for the comics community yeah and it's not like I don't know people that are like famous in Toronto you right. know what I mean and, and I can keep it in Toronto like I can keep sure. it niche yeah it's a Toronto uh, You've already had a hell of a lineup so far. Yeah. Some of the folks you've had yeah, on yeah. there, so, man. So I'm like, this is perfect. So I, I sent my idea to Alex. I have a list of about like 50 people that I eventually want to get on. Yeah. And he's like, perfect. Let's do it. Let's start recording. And that's, that's how it happened. We've had some stumbling blocks along the way, but it's a learning I, curve. I think man. it's I think it's pretty good. Five years later, I'm still learning. Like like know? we lost like some of our some of our episodes. Yeah. Once, like during the transfer, yeah, uh, for like Dropbox, we, we lost a few. It'll happen, you know. It'll happen, and and so we have to like re-interview some people. But like, but like now we're really kicking ass. Like he's got he's got other shows. It's yeah. a whole network. It's yeah. like a professional looking. We website. might in fact have some uh, cool things to announce shortly uh, that we'll uh, do once they're hammered out. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he's got some fun stuff, dude. I love your show. I love what you're doing, and yeah. uh, you're you're incredibly good at it. Uh, yeah. You're in generally inspiring it's an inspiring story yeah, man it's, it's basically like it's basically just like me interviewing people that are part of the toronto comic book scene yeah for like an hour yeah every episode yeah it's perfect yeah yeah, yeah. and so, you're and you're very very good at it sir so everybody you. needs to go check out speech bubble on the never sleeps network yeah never sleeps network.com <clears throat> or on itunes please subscribe yeah, absolutely do it on itunes yeah yeah we need more people listening to this hell yeah and i feel like your network is like the perfect avenue hey this is where uh, this is where we get rolling man it's all about making pod for us and uh stay tuned because uh, there's a lot coming we have fan expo less than two weeks away yeah i'll be covering fan expo for yeah. yahoo oh really uh, you're covering it for yahoo yeah i'm covering it for yahoo nice. and you got well you're gonna make some speech bubble chats so yeah uh, yeah yeah you are of course you are what but do you mean here's the th- here's the thing about speech bubble chats i will make speech bubble chats but i have to restrict it to artist alley because if you're caught yes. doing oh, yeah. Yeah. unauthorized interviews with celebrities yeah they can revoke your media oh yeah your absolutely media credentials, yeah yeah which i don't want i don't want that no to of course not so yeah. I'll try to make some stuff for Artist Alley, but right, I'm not right. going to be talking to That's like, always where I go anyways. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. stay in the trenches and, and do my thing. It's the other shows that I get to meet celebrities at, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> but, but for Yahoo, uh, there will be some celebrities that I'll That's be able to exciting, interview. That's exciting, Not at the show, but like prior to the show. Yeah. Uh, can I, maybe I'll say who, who they are. If Hopefully. you're allowed, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But like the thing, well, the thing that we're trying to set up, it's not set up yet, Right. is... They want to do a thing, Batman versus Batman. Right. So they want to do an, an, an interview, and, and we're trying to set this up with Adam West yeah. and Kevin Conroy. That'd be sweet. I'll talk yeah. to them separately, but yeah. I'll ask them about like how their Batman would yeah. react to certain things. like in Oh, at the same time. That's a yeah. cool idea, man. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. totally a yeah, cool like idea. Their style of Batman meets the other style of Batman, and how would Batman react to yeah, certain things? Yeah, yeah. Like, because there's so much Batman this year. We got those two. We got Burt Ward. Um and Greg Capullo yeah. is there, yeah. and it's it's a hell of a year for Batman. Yeah, I can't, that's Apple, my goal. Who does yeah. detective and he'll yeah, be yeah, there. and I think I didn't see his name, but I'm assuming Finch is there because he's always there. Right, right. But, uh, I don't remember seeing. Oh, his and like name. Mark Hamill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, Faybox, if Faybox there again, they've all touched the bat. Yahoo, Yahoo wants, and this was what they wanted. They wanted an interview with Stan Lee, mm. and. 
Mark and like and Mark Hamill, but like those people, we've already been told like they don't even know what their availability is. They yeah, don't even know if that's, that'll work. Yeah. But I've interviewed Stanley before. I that's interviewed Stanley for AOL. Where did you do that? Oh, for, for AOL? Was it phone? When or? I when I was covering Fan Expo. Uh, yeah, over the phone. Okay. Uh, we ended up getting an interview with Stan Lee. It was the first time that he came to Toronto for Fan Expo. Wow. And uh, at the time, I was such a fanboy and I was so that, – that was like the <laughs> dream come true that I never expected. That like I didn't really get to ask him the hard questions. But, yeah. but it yeah. was fun talking. It was fun talking to him. Yeah. And uh, if I ever get to interview Stan again, I'll, I'll, try, to, I'll try to press him on some, some issues – uh, but I mean, he's gonna get deep with the man. Well, I'll try to, but, but he is ninety, so yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know deep is left. I don't know how deep it goes at this point. But like, but uh, yeah, but there are things about Stanley that that yeah. are sort of conflicting. Oh, in sure. terms of his yeah. his willingness to give credit where credit is due, mm-hmm. his uh, yeah. selective memory that yeah. may not be selective memory anymore, it might just be memory loss. I think there's just so much also in that head right, right, that right, right. I don't think he. I think sometimes when he's not, when something may not be perfectly factual, I don't think he knows it. Right, like I don't anymore. think he's trying to be dishonest. Right, right. I think that's just how it is in his head he and how he remembers yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, you know. And, so. and I think he's been telling the same story um, for such a long time that he forgets like, oh, yeah. the real what what really happened. Yeah. You know that I mean? unfortunately that happened uh, when I had uh, Nichelle Nichols on the show. Oh, a, a Lieutenant Uhura of Star Trek. Okay, and I think she told the same story three times in one hour, but it kept changing as she told it. Oh man! Because <laughs> at first it was about uh, Zoe Saldana when Rin. she took over the the thing. Yeah. Uh, the first time she told it, it was that she went to her and told her it was all going to be all cool, and then the second time it was Zoe being nervous and coming to her house. So it was like. But I mean, these people have been so experienced. You have to forgive them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is their daily the life. Like yeah. it is, it is Stan Lee. I still respect Stan Lee, and he still has made oh, a yeah. huge He's... impact on comics. Oh yeah. It's just that, uh, you know, you sort of wish uh, there's a little more honesty there. There's a little more, you know, credit where credit is due. Oh yeah, there's a little for more sure. Yeah. Acknowledgement that maybe and a lot of it, it's the fans' maybe he fault. Maybe didn't do as much him. as much work as he yeah. claims. But it's that also he, did. he didn't put himself on that pedestal, right? right. right? We kind of made him that that's way. True, that's so true. you know, there's a lot that goes on. That's true, that's but again, uh, speech bubble, just how it sounds. Neversleepnetwork.com, iTunes, and a whole bunch of places. And uh, I'm sure we're going to be having lots more fun together yeah, at Fan right. Expo and chatting yeah, and all like, this good stuff. We've, so. we've got interviews with Marco Rudy and Marcus Toe and like. A lot yeah. of people that you you'll know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, I haven't had a chance to listen yet, but I really want to listen to your Bishop episode. You just had David Bishop on yeah, yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah, ago, yeah. and I'm a huge fan of Dave Bishop. Yeah, yeah. And, Hopefully, uh, I'm not stepping on your toes or anything. I'm no, to, this I'm, is you know I'm I get this. To keep it to Toronto, I so. actually get this a lot from uh, because there actually there's a certain little circuit that is formed that yeah. when there when they're, when an artist has a Kickstarter on, they'll hit me, <laughs> they'll hit comic pros and cons. They will hit uh, the Ninja Starship pod and like two others. Yeah. So we've actually had to keep in touch. Like Ricky yeah. yesterday when I, when I was setting up talking to Ricky Lima, um, I had to ask him and be like, look, are, are, you, are you planning on being any on any pods next week like, yeah. that are coming out? Yeah. And he was like, uh, he said no and everything. He was like, we just have to make sure because often we've had two shows put out the same guest on one day. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. And it's nice to space it out a little. But I'm proud of the fact that I'm part of a circuit. 
Like people think, oh, I got a Kickstarter. I have to hit an elegant weapon. Right, right, Which right, is right. a cool accomplishment, right? Right, which so, is good. But I don't want to yeah. keep interviewing people that have Kickstarters. Like I want to learn oh, yeah, more that, about you have to get off than that. just yeah. their promotional yeah. stuff. Yeah, because I'm not a comic book podcast. Right. I t- like it's probably 80% comics, but that's just because it's – what my life is and what's available, right. but I mean, I'm I'm up for talking to anybody about anything yeah, I can. You do, when I get you do the like chance. voiceover people. You don't I love voiceover, you know, dude. I'm, I'm so, so big into cartoons yeah, and voiceover. Like I'm sort of restricted to Toronto, and you're, you you yeah. will talk to anyone at a convention. I'll talk to anyone anywhere, man. Which, which is which <laughs> gorilla is great. Like, That's how we differentiate ourselves. Exactly, that's our things. You know, the most nervous I ever got was Rob Paulson. And oh, I didn't get him on Raphael. the show. Yeah, I didn't get to talk to him. Just meeting him. I'm such a fan. I met him in Denver, okay. at Denver Comic Con, and I, I we we're taking a picture. My leg is just going like oh, this. Man. He's like, "Yeah, right." I was like, "Dude, I'm sorry. Like, I normally don't get nervous ever. That's part of the reason I'm good at what I do. Right. I can stand in front of a thousand people and be like, whatever. But when I was beside him, I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> man, yeah." Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you for having me on. I, I'm a big Anytime, talker. of course. I like yeah, yeah. Myself. It's been fascinating. I've learned a lot about this. And as I said, you got an inspirational story, man. Yeah. So it's very cool. And I'm very, very excited about uh, what we're going to get to do, having fun in the future. So Yeah, I'm just you know? living life, man. Yeah, you good gotta, times. You got to do what you do. You so do, yes. Uh, kids, that's Aaron Broverman, Speech Bubble Podcast. We're going to see you real soon. But for now, that's all we're going to have this week on An Elegant Weapon. Take it easy.